That's your decision now, don't I? This is the Black Rifle Coffee Podcast. For decades, buying a silencer has been difficult. But in 2005, Silencer Central set out to simplify the suppressor buying process. So whether you're planning your next hunt or putting together a range day, you'll enjoy every shot you take with Silencer Central, straight to your front door. So here's here's something funny for you. So I had um, I had Mike Pompeo out here. Oh, yeah? He did the show with me. Yeah. And he's lost a ton of weight. He's lost a ton of weight. Was man. it surgery or did he do or is he? Just... No, he just looked at himself and uh, from. What he was telling me was he looked at himself and said, I'm a fat piece of shit. I need to lose weight. Yeah. And he just decided that he was going to lose weight. Yeah. Uh, which I commend people that want to do that. I think yeah. it's incredible. I, I really like him. He's got this really interesting background. You know, he was uh, West Point grad. Yep. Uh, armor officer. Harvard MBA. Yeah. Harvard Law. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've had a couple conversations with him. Wow. I mean, like, one, he's really smart. Two, he knows a ton about leadership, just in general, you know, making really <clears throat> hard decisions. Uh, I You think I he's going to run? <clears throat> yeah, but I... Purdy's thinking about it. You know, you, know how, you know how this stuff works. It's like you run so you can... Pass off your endorsement <clears throat> so you can get appointed to yeah. a cabinet position or yeah. something, right? And I'm not saying that's what he's doing. I'm just saying, like, I really like him personally. Yeah. Uh, I would love for more people like him to just run just in general all the time. But, I mean, you know way more about this than I do. <clears throat> One of my whole things in the last few years is just trying to get just – veterans in general trying yeah. to get them involved in politics so i've been uh, <laughs> facilitating yeah i like it or not you yeah. know i mean like like you know i i i kicked into tulsi's campaign while she was still a democrat for yeah. instance right but has she officially i mean i know she renounced the Democratic yeah. party. has she officially like Shifted, registered like I'm a Republican now. No, yeah, I, no. I, I don't think she's going. I think to. she's going to be independent, or I think so. I, you know, I like her personally. I like her a lot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Well, well, we've had conversations. Um, uh, she's supposed to be coming on the show, but but, but Is she? I, yeah, I no. called. I, I mean, I we called it. I don't know, year, year and a half ago. Yeah. When her and Kamala Harris were going at it yeah. back and forth, I was like, Tulsi is not a Democrat. No way. Uh, like, she's not, not, she, not, not the way the Democrats are today, anyway. Well, maybe, maybe JFK Democrat, maybe. Maybe. But the thing I liked about it and the thing, the, 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 the entire thing that sold it for me, well, there's two parts. When, when she was in, uh, was it the general and they were, they were in the debates. Yep. And she was holding the Clinton political war machine to mm -hmm. task. Yep. But she was doing that like no other politician would do it. No yeah. Republican would do it. No Democrat would do it because it was political suicide. Yeah. And anybody that knows or, or for me, like, uh, you know, I, I follow politics a lot like people like to follow fantasy football. Yeah. I. <laughs> it is a disease is what it is. <laughs> it's an addiction. That they should, they should come up with like rehab facilities for people she to get involved into politics uh, or 
obsess over politics because it is such a, it's such a rabbit hole. You know, it, you know way more about this. Like, this is one of the reasons I wanted to, to talk to you. Like, today. I am fully prepared to say everything <laughs> that I'm not supposed to say on this show. Um, just because, yeah, I'm 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 tired of the whole thing uh, of of politics. Uh, even right now, what's going on with the Speaker of the House thing? It is. Well, explain the Speaker of the House thing because I don't think a lot of people are following this. Like, yeah, they like one Mitch McConnell. I think. A lot of people don't even understand who that is. And the other piece is, why does he have so much power? And Well, one, he controls a huge super PAC, which wields a a monstrous— Exactly. So they they wield a ton of power in D.C. based on the amount of money that they control. So— I think a lot of people, when they start getting into politics, they think that it's really simple. Like it's a binary thing. Like you vote for the best person and the best person wins. I'm like, that is not the way it works. Nine times out of 10, you will never even get to vote for who the best person Mm -hmm. actually is. You vote for, well, first of all, to to your first question, Speaker of the House is, you know, there's the independent party, but we've really got a two-party system, right? Democrat, Republican. I mean, you know, people can be independent all they want, but I mean, it is. It's yeah. Uh, Speaker of the House is a uh, voted on position for whatever party is in power right. in the House. Yeah. Uh, same thing for the Senate. And then also the minority party has, you know, a minority leader and, and, and all this other kind of stuff. So right now, Republicans didn't take over the Senate. They, they, they <laughs> barely uh, took back the House, which some people believe is actually a good thing. Uh, I kind of lean towards that a little bit because too much of a majority leads to uh, what you would call establishment politics getting by easier. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have a slimmer lead, uh, you have to listen to, you know, like your freedom caucuses and all these other things because you have such a slim lead that you can't piss off those people because right. then they'll, you know, they'll just not vote, you know, and all this stuff. And you'll never get anything accomplished. So. You know, you, you look at what's going on with Kevin McCarthy right now, right? I always want to say Mike McCarthy, which is the uh, coach for the Cowboys. But, yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, you look at McCarthy right now and, you know, it, I think it as of this morning, it was six votes in a row. He didn't get the he didn't get the votes. Mm-hmm. And it's only 20, depending on who you ask, uh, defectors. Uh, insurrectionist, I heard Brian Kilmeade say on Fox News, and then he immediately caught himself on live TV, and he was like, and I know Brian, yeah. like Brian, he's like, I probably shouldn't have used that word. <laughs> he, knew, he knew as soon as he said it, it was like, ooh, shouldn't have put that out there. Uh, but there's only like 20 of them, mm-hmm. only like 20 people, but but the majority is so slim that McCarthy's not going to to to, to get the votes to be speaker without winning some of these people over. And so, you know, what, what is the problem with this? Well, I'll tell you the problem I have with it. And, and this is part of my revelation to where I just realized that there, there is no real fixing of government. Mm -hmm. And that's why I respect what Tulsi did and everything, because she sees the same thing that a person like me has seen and you, but it's that it's so corrupt. It's so down the rabbit hole there. It, both sides are so corrupted, corruptible, or vulnerable to whatever attacks or whatever. It doesn't matter what we do. So McCarthy, for example. Okay. Um, 
throw out Joe Kent, throw out Blake Masters, throw out uh, who was the girl in Alaska that Trump endorsed or whatever. Well, either way, McCarthy directly withheld help from Joe Kent, from the the, the girl in Alaska. I can't mm-hmm. remember her name at this moment. Uh uh, McConnell and McCarthy together withheld money from Blake Masters in the Senate oh, race. Yeah. Every person that Trump endorsed, whether you like Trump or not, but but I'm getting to my point here. Every single person Trump endorsed in Arizona, Washington uh, state and in Alaska, McCarthy and McConnell went directly towards another candidate. Snub did not help at all through their super PACs like you're mm-hmm. talking about. And those candidates lost our Trump's candidates lost and mm. those candidates won. Now, three months later. Why do you think that is? Before before we get in down that, and maybe you're getting there, but yeah. why, why do you think that is? Because they want yes, 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 man. And, and I'll get okay. I'll get to another point, the race that I was mm-hmm. in. Okay, so right now the race that I was in that Donald Trump called me personally mm-hmm. to get out of. Yeah. The guy who he endorsed, because it was either going to be whoever got the endorsement in the area I was running in was was gonna win the seat. Because mm-hmm. it was like a red, it was like a R plus twenty district, which for those who don't know, anything plus ten or above, like if you're the Republican GOP you're, pick, you you're, you're getting the seat, right? He's voting yes for McCarthy mm-hmm. because he is the yes guy right. that the GOP wants. Um, anyway, so why did they do it? Because the people, the people that Trump endorsed, were going to be the people that were going to be thorns in McCarthy's side, right, and McConnell's side. So the thing that irritates me, and the the thing, and this is the system that I talk about. Trump knows this. The Trump team knows this. And and I know those guys well. I've said this: ninety five percent of who Trump listens to. They all need to be fired and thrown out. Really? And maybe 5% of them are actually good. Right. Um, And so McCarthy and McConnell actively go against picks for Donald Trump, which led to such a a small majority in the House and led to us not taking back the Senate, Mm -hmm. right? And then three months later, Trump's like, yeah, I support McCarthy for uh, Speaker of the House. What? He actively went against the very people that you— that you endorsed to run for Congress. And now all of a sudden that's just like, okay, <laughs> you know, and, and, and you're just forgoing the fact that this dude told you to go F yourself right. pretty much, you know, like, no, I don't care if you were the president. I don't care. Uh, you know what you think I'm actively opposing you in this. Oh, but three months later now, because it's the right move, because Trump is running in 2024. Mm-hmm. So he needs he a needs McCarthy yeah, yeah. who has the super PACs. Right. Uh, and what are super PACs? Why do people care about super PACs? Well, yeah. most people don't know this, <clears throat> but for a con- congressional job, I think they make $187,000 a year. But on average, you have to raise three plus million dollars to run a congressional race, right. which makes no sense, right? right? So what people want with these super PACs and why McCarthy wields so much power mm-hmm. is these people get far enough down the line, they get McCarthy to say, you know what, I like you, I think you're going to do what I want you to do, so I'm going to put my pack behind you, and we're going to help with your ad spend. You know, they can't directly help you, but they can do attack ads against your opposition, your, yeah, your et cetera. Opposition. And that's where this power is mm-hmm. yielded. So right now you've got these 20 people, uh, the two most, uh, you know, 
I guess you would say most notable would be Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert. And then um, most recently, uh, Anna Paulina Luna, who literally just won, like mm-hmm. literally just yeah. swore in like yeah. yesterday and is saying no. And uh, that's why. That's why they hate these people. That's why Lauren Boebert, Matt Gates, all that, they don't take PAC money. Because PAC monies won't support them. Right. Because they know that when push comes to shove, they're going to be a thorn in the side. Yeah. And when did we get to a point in our government where it is a bad thing for people to go, I don't like that guy. So, no, I'm not voting for that person. And then you hear lines like, well, you know, these congressmen and women need to get in line, you know, and all this stuff. Why? You know, why, why, why do they need to get in line? You see Sean Hannity last night just absolutely ripping into Lauren Boebert because she has a differing opinion. Mm. And they're very valid opinions. McCarthy has a lot of what people would call establishment ties. McCarthy has a lot of questionable decisions that he has made. But in politics, they expect the American people to have a goldfish memory and just like, oh, yeah, no, McCarthy didn't actively go against, you know, America first candidates. If you, you know, consider yourself a MAGA Republican, which if you are even remotely conservative, they lump you into MAGA Republican, you know. You um, could be ultra MAGA. I heard that one. So it's like ultra MAGA, MAGA. There, there's like all these like spectrums of MAGA now, yeah. which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's all things. But anyway, that's my point. There's no... <laughs> There's no winning the no. corruption, and 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 what I mean by corruption, I'm not necessarily saying that people are, you know, on the take or people are illegally trading stocks, which does happen. But I, when I say corruptible, I mean you've got people now that have been in the system for so long that they don't see anything else right. but the chess game that is this, and all it is is for. Uh, higher committee positions, higher leadership positions. Did you know that when you get elected to Congress, the senior leadership or the majority leader or whatever, they assign you a number of how important they think that you are. Huh. So behind every, you know, I did not kill myself, behind every <laughs> congressional pin that they wear, if they were to take it off, they've got a number oh, yeah. behind it. And, it's, and, it's, and it was given to them based on how important this senior leadership think they are. Mm. So like, you know, your Lauren Boebert's right now is probably, (laughs) you know, way down on the list, but the higher number you are, the more important of a congressman or woman you are. And so from day one, when you get into Congress, you are let known that you are only as important as we allow you to be in the system. Right. And, and, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, lover or hater, look what they did to her. Removed her from any committee, which at the end of the day makes it to where you can't get anything done. If you're a congressman or woman yeah. and you're not on any kind of committee, you can't do anything. Right. You can't help pass any bills, any laws. And that is the never-ending spiral that I just I can't take it anymore, man. Mm-hmm. You know, that that makes you legitimately go insane you know take religion for example you know you try to explain religion like you really try to deep dive yeah and you will legitimately make yourself insane sure going down all the different rabbit holes politics is no different it's well politics to some portion of our 
country is their religion, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, whether you are are left or right or center, whatever it is, right, or or if you're politically agnostic, your political party has become their religion. Yes, and that's part of the issue yeah. on both left and the right is that when you've replaced your God with a a political candidate. Yes. And I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican, that's part of the issue. These people are people. Yeah. And we have to be really objective in our criticism and always be skeptical. I don't understand why we can't just be constant skeptics yeah. of all politicians, regardless of party. It doesn't make any sense to me why we 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 as a country can't question everything. Yeah. We should be saying I'm going to question any and all things that you do, like period, not you. I mean, obviously you're, you're sitting here, but I'm saying as a politician, you are a representative to the people. That yes, as well. Well, here's a question for, I mean, just for, for the listeners and just in general, say there's what, why are there not three nominees for mm-hmm. speaker of the house on the GOP side? Right. Okay. And then why cannot every Republican congressman or woman, be able to go to their district and say, hey, who do you want me to vote right. for as Speaker of the House? Yeah. If you were to mention that to the GOP, they would call you a defector, <laughs> a terror. I mean, how dare you, how dare you yeah. actually present a choice mm-hmm. to the people right. that you're actually supposed to report to? Right. But they're not doing that. No one has asked anyone in any – have you been asked who you think? Should oh, be, no. but, but that's my point. It is a popularity contest, and it is based off of how much power how you much hold power. behind the scenes. Yeah. And we have 20, 20 people that I would argue you need to pay attention to those 20 people. Right. You know, what do those 20 people know behind the scenes that they're actually saying, no, I can't do this? It's like, um, you ever seen those Scientology documentaries? Oh, yeah, uh, I've seen a couple of them. Yeah, sure. like, like it is it, the, the, the few people that. All of a sudden, one day they have a question like, well, you know, well, hold on just a minute. Why are we doing things that way? Their whole life is ruined. Like, yeah. you know, like, like, like all this crazy stuff starts happening. Yeah. The same thing in politics. They either destroy you, mm-hmm. they either corrupt you, or you quit. That's it. Yeah. Like, those are the only three things that happen. Uh, you know, you, you can't, I'll never forget, um, you know, and and I have my interpretation of this the, the of this conversation, but I'll never forget. I was I was at Mar-a-Lago, talking to Donald Trump, and I you know I was you know pleading my case for why I thought I should yeah. be the uh, you know the the uh, the endorsed candidate in my race, and I'll I'll never forget he called <laughs> while I was sitting there, and I've got my wife right next yeah. to me. He called the SC the South Carolina GOP chairman Drew McKissick. Who hates me? Hi, Drew. Um, <laughs> and called him and put me on mute and basically said, what do you think about Graham Allen? And I had to sit there with and my listen. wife and listen to this man who I've never met, never met this guy ever, talk about how I am the worst human being on the face of the earth. And let me tell you how awesome Russell Fry is, who was a state uh, representative mm-hmm. for many years. He was the guy. And the reason that the SCGOP hated me so much, they loved me when I was a voice, but the Love. second I dare mess up, 
even even to the point of saying, how dare he not let me know he's right. planning on running? And I had to listen to this for 15 minutes. My wife's sitting right there. I have to listen to this person just talk about everything. And then the phone call ended, and I'll never forget, uh, Donald Trump uh, said to me, you know, Graham, you know the whole family loves you. We all love you, but I have my hurdles too. The, right. That's the exact quote of what he said. I have my hurdles too. And what that told me was the guy that is supposed to be immune to the establishment yeah. and the politics and all this stuff, how I interpreted that, and to be clear, this is my interpretation sure. of that, was I'm running for president in 2024. South Carolina is the kickoff state to a presidential campaign. I can't go to war with the South Carolina GOP over you. Mm. Even though I, just to be clear, I would be voting. If I had won, I would be voting no on McCarthy right now. Right. But Russell Fry is voting yes. And so, again, that's why I didn't get it. Because they they knew that I would be, you know, I'd say no. Like, McCarthy has shown me nothing. Yeah, right, you know. Right, right, uh, McCarthy wouldn't even take a meeting with me. Right. And, you know, so, yeah, I got some questions. And until those questions get answered, I'm voting no. And, but they don't expect that. And that's a problem. And my question is, why is it a problem? Well, it's interesting because when you think about We've had a couple hundred years plus of going through and building this political system. And of course, it's going to be really complex. And there's going to be institutions mm -hmm. that, are, that are so intrinsic to the fiber of the United States. They're entrenched. Yeah. <clears throat> so it doesn't surprise me when we think about candidates that are supposed to be immune to the overall system. Yeah. They still have to utilize the system. Mm -hmm. They have uh, to play. They chess. have to play the game. <clears throat> and Absolutely. that's it's. It, I go back and forth on the debate where, you know, it the system and and what I don't like about the system is is really, and I could be completely wrong. You can tell me w what you think of this, which yeah. is, the two party system is essentially they're in the business of keeping the the two parties in power. Yes. Like the Republicans or the Democrats don't need, nor do they want a third party. So yeah. the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? Where when they think about how they're both blocking to get as, as much power as they can and consolidate them into a two party system that they ultimately can control the outcome because they're, they're used to it. Yes. They don't want there to be a third party. They don't yeah. want there to be an independent there. There there's, there's zero benefit to the DNC or the RNC having a third party, and it makes it almost impossible for that third party to exist. Yeah, well, I don't think—I I, I actually, yes, to, you are absolutely right with everything you said, but I think we are much closer to a third party than, <clears throat> than we think. And I actually think that if the Republic—it's not the Democrats. Democrat—but that— for everybody that has a problem with the way the country is currently going, mm -hmm. you need look no further than the Democratic Party right. as to why we are here. Um, but they are of uh, the hive mindset, right? Like you never really see AOC every once in a while will say something kind of catty about, you know, Pelosi something. or something. Yeah. yeah. But, but overall, 99% of the time, no matter how crazy it is, 
Democrats are on board with Democrats. I, they ask no questions. They, they blah, blah, blah. And I said the same thing about McCarthy for speaker. I'm like, if McCarthy is supposed to be the right guy mm-hmm. for the GOP, because we are trusting these people to, to, to fix something, then why are no Democrats going on TV talking about what a radical McCarthy is? What a what a white nationalist terrorist he is, and he's going to ruin this country and da da da. That's not happening. Mm. That's non-existent. Mm. And to me, that's a major oh, warning yeah. sign right. to me because because if the GOP is supposed to be the counteract to the Democrats, yeah, then why are the Democrats perfectly fine with you know if if uh, if uh, Jim Jordan got it? The Democrats would be losing, losing their, their minds. Mind. Losing their minds. Losing their minds yeah. over this. And so you have to ask, and this is something that you don't see right away unless, as you said, you study this, you learn this, you know how it goes. You start to look for, well, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. If if that person's really going to stick it to the Democrats, mm-hmm. then you would think that the Democrats would want there to be questions about Kevin McCarthy mm-hmm. becoming Speaker of the House. But they're completely fine with it. Well, it can work in both ways, right? If they were, if they were, they're not saying anything. They're saying a bunch of negative things, or they're hip hip hooray. Mm-hmm. Like there, there, there needs to be. There, if there's a complete oh, information void, yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's a complete information <clears throat> void. Uh, for instance, in this is you know when we think about um, guys that they they absolutely despise, right? Like. Uh, Gates, yeah, right? like they, they despise anything that comes out of his mouth, right? Um, because he is the polar opposite or the answer to an AOC, yeah, right. So when we think about it from the the polar opposites, they're going to come out and just do any and all things that they can to just dump truck him. And then if there's somebody that's more closely aligned with with them, so who's the guy? Uh, and I forget exactly right now. So West Virginia senator is always like kind of a, seen as a Republican more than a Democrat. Um, oh, uh, Meacham? Yeah, that? yeah, yeah. Well, Republicans are all about that guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, I mean, for instance, in this circumstance, like they, they're like, hey, hip, hip, hooray. Like, let's, 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 let's not be so partisan. Right. Let's be more cooperative. Right? Well, yeah. So then it's like it becomes more of a narrative of cooperation and and uh, we, we 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 like this. I think which by the way, I'm not against people cooperating whatsoever. Oh, yeah. Like zero. I'm not I'm not against it. I think there has to be really definitive hard lines depending on the situation, but it's like there's a lot of room to cooperate on certain bills. There's a lot of pieces of legislation that we yep. we got to like go across the aisle, like, like all the time. It's, we understand, for instance, there are issues that we're just never going to align our parties on. Like, yeah. we got it. We understand it. It's never going to happen. Okay. But where can we, uh, like, like the amount of money that we're sending overseas right now is a perfect example of this, yeah. where it's like, I, I can't just get on board on this. Yeah. I can't. I can't. I can't say that we're going to be spending hundreds of billions of dollars you know, in Eastern Europe, I'm just not okay with that because yeah. we have infrastructure needs, we have national security needs, we have all these different things well, that we also, need. It's from our money. Yeah, it's our money. And yeah, and, and, and it's not and, like we're just printing more. And 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 you really have to. I know you understand it because obviously we are sitting in this amazing business and empire that you've built. But entrepreneurial people, small business owners, understand this more than anybody else. Taxes, like nobody hates taxes more. 
than small business owners. Nobody. And 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 it's because we see you make a million dollars. Okay, the government just because they didn't do a single thing to help you, but you make a million dollars, you owe them three hundred seventy thousand dollars. Just because. Just Why? because. Why? Why? And that's the money they're using to do all these things that or or, that, or they're that, borrowing that, it yes. from our enemy and expecting us to pay them <laughs> and then they're printing more so they're devaluing the currency that we have to borrow yeah. it from the the Chinese so we can send it overseas yes. to invest in other people's countries yeah. I, I mean honestly I I, I I try not to get too into the the individual economics of this but you really don't have to be too sophisticated to understand that borrowing money yes. from the Chinese mm-hmm. and then printing more currency, essentially devaluing the American dollar, yep. so we can export that to Eastern Europe is probably just not a good idea uh, because borrowing money from your most strategic threat at an interest rate to devalue your currency to send to your your less strategic threat. I I don't know how that coalesces in anyone's mind to actually make strategic sense. I've had conversations with guys, uh, I, you know, and honestly, they're, they're probably smarter than I am where they're like, yeah, it does make sense. And it, it, to be fair, sure, I, I, I can kind of understand their perspective. I just disagree with it fundamentally. Yeah. I just disagree with it. And I think... And a lot of their perspective has been formed because of the situation we find ourselves in now. Right. And so they're trying to play the game based off of the debt we're currently in now, the situations we find ourselves in now, but nobody's willing to ask the questions and nobody's willing to do the hard work of figuring out how we even got into this situation in the first place, the right. national debt, all of the above. So somebody that's pro giving money to Ukraine and everything right now, they might say, well, by doing this, we are keeping, you know, Russia from overtaking and then getting even bigger uh, thoughts of, you know, and then maybe even thinking about coming over here or starting a war with us. So we're, in fact, saving America money by spending this money. And they're thinking about the national debt and all this other kind of stuff. Well, my question would be, well, that's reactive decision making right. instead of proactive decision making. Because, yeah, you're right. You're making decisions based on it's like uh, when you're about to be in bankruptcy. The decisions you make when you ain't got no money <laughs> are yeah. a lot different than the decisions you make when you've got money to play with, right? And you're able to be more strategic. You're able to be more beneficial. You're able to expand and grow. Well, right now, we've allowed America to get into such a situation now where even if, which I don't agree with the money we're spending to sure. Ukraine, uh, but even if their mindset is, well, you know, this is actually going to protect America this is actually going to keep us from going further in debt because if this happens and Russia overtakes yeah. Ukraine and all this stuff, I like you, I can hear it. I can hear it. But to me, I keep going back to what, why are we still doing the same stuff that keeps the debt getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger? Uh, that's something I won't understand. I, I, I don't, and I, I can, I'll never be able to bring myself to, and I don't want to say never. I, I maybe, maybe I'll change my mind in a few years. But I've participated in the global war on terror, just as you have, you know, for the majority of my adult life. And the amount of fraud, waste, and abuse that I just was exposed to, oh, yeah. and then 
understanding the way that I feel about the global war on terror. And I, and I, I obviously dis differ in my opinion from a lot of vets that are out there, but you know, when we think about Iraq, for instance, and we think about Afghanistan, both in separate circumstances, but then we also have to think about the global war on terror as a global perspective in the trillion plus dollars that we, we borrowed for China in order to conduct that war. Uh, when we think about leverage in long-term strategic threats, Al-Qaeda is never going to be able to mount a, a, a surface war to overthrow the United States. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, they'll, they'll say, well, they did. I'm like, well, that was a terrorist attack, which ultimately we, we did go to war over, but we <clears throat> mitigated the, 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 the terrorist threat based on, let's say, the top three things, you know, in, improving uh, national security and, and airline security. And it, it, there's a myriad of different little things that we did. And then we went and we pursued them overseas so they didn't come here. Got it. Overthrowing countries is really fucking expensive. Yeah. And not only when you're overthrowing, but then when you're nation building, that's not fighting terrorism. Yeah. Fighting terrorism is going in with a scalpel and it's taking and eliminating people. And then nation building is a completely different right. subject. Yep. When we're thinking about stabilization of an international economy and then you're going to war to fight terrorism and then nation building, when you're using those two things in the same sentence, from my perspective, you're, 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 you're joining two things that are not the same and they're not equal in their extent. Meaning I can fight terrorism and keep terrorism from growing within nations, but I also am not ethically responsible to rebuild the economy. Right. And then also have what I would say is a, is a, is a, a, a war in which a war of occupation, because a war of occupation is very costly. You know who benefits from a war of occupation? The military-industrial complex. Oh, yeah. They're the largest transfer of wealth in American history happened under our watch during the global war on terror and then the real estate collapse of, you know, 2007. Oh, yeah. Or 2007, 2008, yeah. right? So we literally sat back while the government fought a multi-prong war against Iraq and Afghanistan, by the way, it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> and then we watched our our dollars, like, you know, my dad drove a truck and was, you know, a welder and he worked really hard for every dollar that he that he that he put in the bank. We watched our 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 banks and our governments work together to transfer wealth from the taxpayer to the military industrial complex and to the financial institutions of America in the last 20 years. And so we're going to do that again. We're going to, we're going to do that again. And that's the thing I don't understand is like all these people out there going, you have to support the Ukraine. It's like, it has nothing to do with my, 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 what I want to say ethically, like the, the people of, of the Ukraine and you're fighting your insurgency. That's great. But how is it my taxpayer responsibility yeah. to go out there and help you and I don't know where the accountability is because I saw under our watch, our taxpayers being like flushed down the toilet to the yeah. tune of hundreds of billions of dollars. And we're going to expect a foreign country 
to manage our taxpayer, my dad's dollars and your dad's dollars and our dollars, they're going to manage our money? Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, that's like an unrealistic expectation. I think, I think it, oh my gosh, it, it, it's so, so it's so hard to even pinpoint how far everything is just falling. People who say yes to those questions you just did, they're either, you know, I, I said it after this past election cycle, Gen Z is it's gone. Like, it's gone. Right. Like, Gen Z's gone. They have absolutely no idea how the real world works. They have absolutely no idea what's going on. They support things that they don't even know why they support it. They just, like you said, well, you know, we we, we should just support those things because we should. Well, why? Well, why? Because, because we should. Okay, but who's going to pay for it? I don't know. The government is. Well, how does the government have money in the first place? <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, like they have no idea. If, if 5% of America tomorrow said, we ain't paying taxes, government would shut down in 90 days be, and dead in the water. You know what I mean? They, yeah. they, they can't arrest 5% of America. No. <laughs> like, you know, but, but people don't, they don't think about those things. You know, Gen Z, it occurred to me the other day, <clears throat> I was having a conversation with uh, my niece, and she's 18. She just started college. Great kid. Great kid. Love her death. She's not like this crazy all over the place kind of thing. But we're having a conversation, and she actually is a she is a dancer for the uh, like I don't know minor league hockey team. Okay. And yeah, I mean you yeah. know I mean she's in college. She's right. a dancer for the hockey team. Whatever. Well, they had this uh, hometown hero night, and I hate this stuff. But she asked if I would do it. And, you know, and my wife's like looking at me like, yeah, you got to do it. I hate this stuff. <laughs> like, I, you know, especially sitting with somebody like you, uh, what, then I, I, then did, I, like, what it, I did is not, it's not even in the same stratosphere as somebody like you. I don't, you know, when they're, when they call up, you know, all veterans, you know, st- I, can't, I can't even, just because so many people did so much more than I did. Either, it's the same for me. Uh, like, there's like... Uh, Oh, all these on. other guys oh, have done so God. much more, and I'm like, ah, man, I. Evan can literally kill people with toilet Shush. paper, but but either yeah. way, so so we're talking, right? Mm-hmm. And she's asking, like, well, you know, what are some of the things you did? Well, you know, uh, I'm a uh, you know combat veteran. Yeah, you know, uh, I went to Iraq twice. She goes, oh, okay, you know, blah 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 blah. Well, about a week later, we get to talking, and she asked me, so, you know, when you say you went to Iraq, is that like you were like stationed in Iraq or? What does that mean Right. when you say you went to Iraq? And I kind of looked at her, and I realized she has no idea right. that that was a war. Like, like, no. like, like she has no, no clue, like, no clue. like none whatsoever. And so we have a whole new gen- – this is why I say Gen Z is, like, lost. Because we have a whole generation of – you've got people that are – I hope I don't get in trouble here with my family – uh, you, you got people like my nieces that are dating these these dudes, right? Yeah, yeah. Nineteen year old, I guess they're called kids. They were called adults when I was nineteen, but either way, that are like going to college, <clears throat> no car, no job, no driver's license, no driver's license, yeah. no nothing, and they're just sitting there and like like these are the people that my nieces are like dating. Like they're gonna marry these people, and these right. people potentially, you know, and these people are gonna like protect and support and all this stuff when 
they're 19 years old and they have no drive whatsoever to right. even be able to drive right. or get a job and all this other stuff. I was in Iraq at 19. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm not saying that that my experience was better or that's the way it was supposed to be or whatnot, but you just look at the current generation and now people aren't adults so they're 25, 27 years old. Yeah. Right? And that is just which baffling to me. By the way, I, I don't actually disagree with some of this in the context of I was older when I went to war, right? So I was 26 years old uh, during the invasion of Iraq and my brain was fully developed. You know, 26 years old, your brain is developed. And one of the reasons I think that I've had, I think, a much, I would say, easier, less challenging time with the the psychological lasting effects of, of right. war is because my brain was fully developed. So a theory that I have is that I actually do think that that's okay for us to wait and delay the time frame in which we send people off to war. Oh, yes. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, some of these kids, because, I mean, I was a kid, obviously you were a kid. I mean, we're, we're old now, but... Um, Definitely getting I, there. <laughs> I, yeah. I think about it because I see my peer group and I see, you know, the guys like, you know, Matt and Jared, they're, they're 10 years younger than I am. But I see my peer group that's a little bit older. We're still having some of the same psychological issues, but not like the guys that were a lot younger than us. They're having a much more difficult time. And, and I'm not saying that because they were exposed to war and we were all exposed to the same war and a lot of the same circumstances. But I think a lot of it has to do with your brain is still developing 18 years old. Yeah. It's still pulling in a lot of inputs and it's myelinating to, to, to develop a structure. And then when you experience trauma to such a high degree with a young, non-fully developed and functioning brain, especially when you look at overpressure from IEDs, I mean, the exposure of ultraviolence, the exposure of the fast moving and and complex decision making of combat at such a young age, what happens to that brain? And I'm obviously not a, a, a doctor, and I can't speak about this to to the subject matter expertise that 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 I should be able to, if or if I had somebody on. But I've seen it, and I know that yeah. these guys are having a, a more difficult time because. I see it in substance abuse. I see it in suicide. I see it in all of these different issues that honestly are, are they're so acute in the in our community. Um, I mean, literally two of my very close friends in the last five months have committed suicide. Yeah. And these are guys that you would look at and say, they made a successful transition. They got it all together, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Um, you know, one of my best friends in the world, which is one of the reasons why I haven't been on the podcast as much, uh, is because it's such it's it's been such an emotionally difficult thing for me to to deal with. You know, my business partner on several several businesses over. I mean, you know, Neil Curry was yeah. quite literally uh, one of my best friends in life. Yeah, I was shocked. And was shocked. everybody <clears throat> was shocked everybody. Um, and you know, and I, and I took, I took time off of social media. I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't on Instagram. I, I just like disconnected because, uh, I, 
I really couldn't deal with it in the context of like, I could not see it and I didn't want to see, you know, the posts about Neil and things like that. And, you know, it, it was such a, 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 an emotional, difficult challenge for me. Yeah. And it made me really check like things like that when they happen it's almost like you get it's almost like getting in a gunfight like okay i got to check to make sure that i'm okay right like yeah. like did i get hit is yeah. everybody okay uh because that was um a nuclear bomb that went off in in my in my world right and it's also made me force it's actually a forcing function to go back and make sure that everybody else is okay. And honestly, man, there's just not a lot of guys that are okay. Yeah, there's just not. It it makes me reaffirm my commitment to what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, um, what and how we do it. What does it mean to lead? What does it mean to be in these positions of, you know, being able to speak on microphones and things like that? A lot of people will ask, like, you know, why do I not? weigh in on certain things uh, because of like internet drama, right? For instance, because I have bigger fish to fry, man. I've got bigger things to think about. Yeah. And I honestly have more important things to do in my life than respond to people on the internet that want to run their miles. And, you know, I have 912 employees, for instance, and 50% of them are veteran, veteran family members. You know, I, I have conversations about post-traumatic stress and physical injuries, people that have been physically affected by war multiple times a day throughout my entire company and then also outside of the company. So I've made it a social, I've socialized it and made it normal to have conversations in the hallways about how people are doing yeah. physically and psychologically. And our GWAT generation right now, I think it's so important for us to be galvanized around a mission of curating and creating an environment where people can literally fulfill themselves and also create value within their communities because they are so valuable. To your point, 18-year-olds don't realize that you know we were in Iraq or Afghanistan. They don't realize what that meant. I think about it too. 1945, those guys came home, right? 1945, 1946, they came home from the the largest war in modern history. Yeah, we can't even fathom can't it. Can't even fathom mm -hmm. it. Skip the flowers and chocolates this Valentine's Day and get that special someone a hot, steamy mug of Black Rifle Coffee. BRCC is having a buy one, get one sale February 3rd and 4th to help you get all your last minute shopping done. Because we know you forgot to do it earlier. No, we won't tell them you forgot. Aside from getting a free bag of coffee, you can also shop our new Valentine's Day collection filled with badass patriotic gear that says, I love you almost as much as I love America. This brand new collection has a ton of new designs to choose from, including hoodies, Tees, hats, and a pair of mugs that Coffee Cupid would approve of. Stock up on America's coffee this Valentine's Day with this epic BOGO sale. For decades, buying a silencer has been difficult. But in 2005, Silencer Central set out to simplify the suppressor buying process. 
So what happens when you buy from Silencer Central? Well, they help you find the right silencer for you. They handle the paperwork so you don't have to. And they give you a free NFA gun trust so you can share your suppressor. Silencer Central allows you to pay while you wait. They make sure your purchase is carefully prepped, packaged, and protected until the moment you're approved. Once approved, they deliver it straight to your door. So whether you're planning your next hunt or putting together a range day, you'll enjoy every shot you take with Silencer Central, straight to your front door. So now, when we look at it, it's 2022. It's been 21 years, so add 21 years. So 1966, those guys were being shipped off to Vietnam, and the Vietnam generation had a disconnect from what was happening with the World War II veteran and those world war ii veterans were old they were like their dads yeah right they were seen as like the 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 old crusty guys that were just you know barking orders and like you know i mean that that, that world war ii generation had a, a very specific uh generational image yeah. and they looked down uh, some of those guys looked down on the vietnam guys saying like you kids you know have it easy in this police action you know and yeah they didn't quite understand, nor did, could they understand the depths of how violent that war really was, and it was yeah. a real war. Oh yeah, it and that generational disconnect that we have to we have to galvanize between, I think, the global war on terror guys, the Vietnam guys, the World War II, and there's honestly not a lot of World War One guys, if if any left, but we have to pull that through, in try to translate this experience for the for the greater good yeah i I don't know what that has to do with anything no 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 no. it it does and honestly we're getting kind of more into this shift that i i've had here in the past you know this past year has been a real rough year uh for me you know i'm i'm pretty positive that neil obviously i wasn't near as close to neil as you were but we were friends and <clears throat> you know, I had another friend uh, commit suicide in a even a horrific way, uh, all within the past. You know, they happened within like three months of each other, but this yeah. has been in the past six, seven months. And uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people, veterans right now, that are struggling because we all saw how Afghanistan was handled. Yep. I think yep. there's a lot of people, myself included. Uh, and I'll move off of veterans here in just a minute, but, but there's a lot of veterans right now. And if you're listening, there's a lot of people that are just asking why. Yeah. Right. Uh, You know, me and you talk talk about this a lot, purpose driven life, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I strive to live for. I, I I can't live my life just because it's too short. It's too short. I I could, I could die tomorrow. Right. Like none of us know. And I can't live a life just going through the motions. I can't mm-hmm. do that. And I think a lot of military guys and girls are are that way. That they, they they sign that line. Some of them did it for free college, but but you know most of them yeah. did it because they wanted to be a part of something, something driven, something purposeful, something mm-hmm. that mattered, right? And I think that boils down to what scares me the most about the future of America is we seem at least maybe there is a disconnect like you talk about, but it seems that that drive of purpose has seemed to, it seems to be flickering out. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm not just talking about people that join the military or not joining the military. I mean, just in general, 
Uh, going back to the, you know, 19 years old in college, doesn't have a car, doesn't have a job, doesn't have this, doesn't have that. I agree with you. Uh, yeah. Should 18 year olds be in war? No. I mean, war is a horrific thing. Right. But even just in general, you know, we're not preparing our younger generations to be adults and no. functioning adults and have drive and everything. I think one reason why veterans <clears throat> struggle when they get out is they can't figure out a way to strive towards something mm-hmm. outside of the military because the military love the military. But one thing that I don't like, and they're getting better at it, is the military very much says, you know, you can accomplish anything you want in uniform, mm-hmm. but they don't talk about what happens when you take the uniform off. Right. Um, and so guys struggle in that area. And then the people that do figure it out, I think we mask a lot of issues that we may have mm-hmm. by that drive. A lot of, a lot of times, a lot of uh, people that have drive entrepreneurial, you know, uh, motivations, whatever you want to call it. A lot of us go, I'll be okay or I'll rest when I get here. Mm-hmm. And then when you get there, it's like, okay, 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 great. But, but, but now, now I'll rest when I get here and you keep moving the goalpost or kicking the can mm-hmm. down the road because we all, and this is not just veterans, this is people in general. Yeah. We all don't want to be in the quiet. We all have a hard time. And I've talked to you about this, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the quiet of life is when you're faced with your, your, your ultimate foe, your mm-hmm. ultimate, uh, you know, gut check. And that's the mirror, right? You start looking internally and at yourself and, and, you know, we all have insecurities. We all have demons that we face and we fight. Uh, we all have traumas in our lives. <clears throat> some of us had amazing childhoods. Some of us had horrific childhoods. Some of us had easy deployments. Some of us had horrific deployments. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of us have had great marriages. Some of us had horrific. We, we, everybody's got trauma in some way, right? Yeah. It's 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 when we're alone, and and, and that's what I worry about. We're, we're we've created a society post COVID and all this stuff that has not gone back to normal. Like everybody thought that it would. Mm-hmm. People have really embraced this being alone. And, 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 and human beings, we're not designed that way. Human mm-hmm. beings are designed for, you know, community and, and, and being able to, you know, share the load and the weight that is this life and, and our issues with other people. And I just see this, the, like I said, the flickering of the lack of drive and the okay with being, you know, at home, working from home, turn on Netflix, Uber Eats. You don't even have to say hi to the Uber driver right. no more. They just drop it at the door, you know, and, and, and just, you know, suicide rates are up. Not even in the veteran community, it's just across. Just in general. Just in general. Yeah. Uh, depression, anxiety, uh, pill popping, all the above. Everything is up. And it's because I just I feel like we are instead of facilitating this world of, hey, we're all in this crazy thing together, man, mm-hmm. somehow, some way. I may not agree with everything you say and you may not agree with everything I say, but we're all on this you know floating rock, whether you believe it was a big bang or you believe God created it. <clears throat> no matter what you believe, we're all here. Right. Like it doesn't matter really what you believe. We're all in the same spot. And we've just lost that somehow. And that's the thing that worries me the most. Mm -hmm. Take politics out of it, take veteran or not out of it, is this, this, we've, we seem to be losing 
the, the, the our humanity mm. in, in that regard. What we seem to be losing that, hey, you know, that's a person yeah. over there. You know what I mean? That's a person. They got a life. They got people who care about them. You know, who cares if they didn't vote the way you did? Who cares if 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 they don't have the same religion you do? Who cares if, you know, they're a veteran or not? We, we, we seem to have just we seem to be pulling away from each other instead of coming mm-hmm. back, you know, towards each other. And that's the thing that worries me the most. Cause I look at my kids and I know you got kids too. And I just think, Holy crap, how much the world has changed in three years. Yeah. 10 years from now, what, what is it going to look like? And, and, and so that's why <clears throat> I get so passionate about Politics, because politics has become culture. Mm-hmm. They literally are one and the same thing now. You cannot separate them. Yeah. Because politics influences culture, and unfortunately, culture is influencing politics. And I, I get so passionate about it because I, I think about what kind of world is is my when my oldest is eighteen years old. What kind of world? Is he going to, you know, it makes me want to like pack up and move out in the middle of Montana somewhere and right. disappear because it's like, oh my God, like, like what, how did we get here? And I, I don't know. That's why so many people will say that I'm, you know, brash and, and harsh and judgmental and all this stuff, but it's because deep down I actually care right. about America and what happens. You know, if I didn't care I'd take my money and run, right? right? Like I would just, I would just leave and be like, "You're right, you guys burn it down, man." Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm, have I'm, fun. I, yeah, have fun. But I, but I, I can't, I can't do it. And if I, if I come across wrong, it's because it's because I, I care. I, the American side of me, I don't care what you do. I, I don't care if you worship trees. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if you know if you believe a man can be. A, I mean, the American side of me doesn't really care. What, what I care about is when you expect other people to acknowledge yeah. and, and not only acknowledge, but bow the knee mm, yeah, to yeah. what, to, you know, kind of thing. You know, the American side of me, I, I you know, I'm like, hey, man, just, you know, wh- whatever is fine. But, you know, now now you've got all this thing of, of pushing things on our children and all this other kind of stuff. And, and I just I can't I can't. No, I, I can't either. I That's the thing where. I agree wholeheartedly. Like I really like hearing diverse opinions in America because that means America still works. Mm -hmm. And what I don't like is this, this hegemonic belief system that you have to conform to one opinion, whether you're left or right, like independent thought and being able to be a constant skeptic, I think is amazing. I think when we have this, diverse pool and that's what's so scary about some of the things that have happened in the last couple of years and i think with you know twitter being able to to expose or elon exposing a lot of the 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 lockstep conformity that was happening over there because yeah. you had essentially everybody that working at twitter was left yeah it should there terrify was no, everyone it, it should terrify <clears throat> everybody because there wasn't a diverse opinion there wasn't a point where their dissenting voice had even a voice there wasn't another perspective even from when we look at things from i would say an ethical legal philosophical point there wasn't it there wasn't an a a diverse philosophical perspective saying hey do we think that this is okay yeah and i i 
I, I posted this the other day because I thought it was really interesting. Matt Taibbi, uh, agree with him or not agree with him. He was the, the, one of the, the primary journalists that was appointed to kind of going through the, the Twitter files for right. lack yeah, of a better yeah. term. He's put out a, 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 a series of podcasts on it where, you know, he was talking about how he was going through and trying to find examples of where the, you know, the, the administration, the Trump administration had been in direct communication with Twitter trying to control narrative. And he was like, I just haven't been able to find it. Yeah. It's not as if I'm not looking for it, everyone. I just haven't been able to find it because he was accused of cherry picking information. Yeah. And he's like, I wasn't cherry picking. I'm just picking cherries out of a bowl of yeah. cherries. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, but there isn't another viewpoint because everybody was uh, left in their ideology over there. So essentially they were all conforming to one narrative and there wasn't the ability for anyone to speak difference. Yeah. And I think that that's so interesting that, and, and, I, and I fully entertain the idea of hey, we're we're in an information war right now. Where I've, I've you know I've heard it multiple times, and I try to really temper what I say about these things because one, being in war and understanding what war actually looks like, I really am not psychologically or mentally inclined to buy into this idea that we're actually in a war, like yeah. the culture war, so to speak, even though. Uh, people have have accused and or said that we're participating in that. Not really. I just find myself, you know, putting out ideas. And when you're putting out ideas, you're going to open yourself up to criticism, whether that's, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent. You're just opening yourself up to it. I had this really interesting person here the other day. Jennifer Say is her name. She She's written a couple books on um, woke corporate culture and how negative that's been specifically because she came out of San Francisco. She was in San Francisco and then she moved to Colorado. She separated from Levi's. That's where she, she was working. And she had this, this whole thing started with her where she was saying, Hey, I think that, uh, you know, we should make sure that people have access to public schools. And I don't think this is a good idea to keep children at home during COVID. I You're think right. we need to send people to school. <clears throat> yeah. She was called every bad, bad adjective you can think of, you know, any and all things like she was accused of, well, why are you a racist? Why are you this? Why are that? And she's like, I'm really just talking about how we need to make sure that kids are being educated throughout this time because yeah. they need to have access to public schools. Yeah. And she was accused of being, you name it. And this was, you know, San Francisco, Silicon Valley ideology. And then she's exposing the hypocrisy saying, it's easy for you guys to say this, but you're you're sending your children to private schools that are costing yeah. seventy or eighty thousand dollars a year. You don't have to worry about this. And she was talking about how, yes, there's this social conformity, but really they don't believe in it. All they're doing is they're placating yeah. a narrative in order to reap the capitalist benefits, so they can profit from whatever this this thing is. Yeah. And, and I think that that's where if you're refusing to participate in like a party narrative, whether it's left or right, and you're just kind of taking on your own narrative, one that takes a lot of courage. I think it does like today, you know, whether 
you're, you, you know, in the, in the land of social media, you know, everybody expects you to like weigh in on everything that you, you you're expected to have an opinion on yeah. everything. And be an expert. And be an expert. And God forbid you get it wrong. And if you get it wrong, you like be prepared to be crucified in the public eye yeah. over and over again. And I think that that's something that everybody from, from like the temperature being turned down is being able to say, it's okay not to have an opinion on something. It's, yeah. it's okay not to understand the, the, the specificity of it or have a, a, a educated background. And I've found myself in the last couple of years, like, man, I'm going to have to get educated on this subject. Cause I don't know. And what if I'm asked about it? And then I turned the page. I was like, wait a minute. I can say I don't fucking know. Yeah. I think that's totally fine for me to go. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, and honestly, it's unrealistic. And not only is it unrealistic for me to have an opinion on everything, I shouldn't, because yes. I'm kind of an idiot. I have a very limited scope on a on on very specific things. People, which is, people are not capable. No. So I can't remember the lady's name, and I don't remember I I, I don't remember exactly what year. So I'm going to paraphrase. Sure. I'm going to butcher it horrifically. But this woman wrote a paper, uh, a, a, an article, a thesis, whatever you want to call yeah. it. She was a doctorate of like, um, you know, uh, uh, psychological uh, effects of communication in the information age. Right. Right. She was basically saying that the rate of which information is available, uh, the the rate of which we can spread ideas, uh, consume ideas the constant, never-ending amount of information, our brains were never designed to take in that much. Humans are not designed to take in this much information from this many different directions at all time, uh, from here, there, everywhere, uh, from every society and culture across the board. Humans are not designed mentally to be able to take that. And this lady wrote this in 1950. Are you kidding me? I'm dead serious. And and so what we're doing today in the information, I agree with you, inf, you know, war of inf, the information war. No, we are in an information age, right? Correct. So here is the real effect of woke culture that most people don't realize. Before cancel culture mm-hmm. and before woke culture, we all have multiple versions of ourselves. We just do. Mm-hmm. We have uh, the version of ourselves on a first date, right? First date, if you're worth anything at all, you got, but you got the best version of yourself out there, right? Job interview. You don't normally walk around in a tux and all this other kind of <laughs> stuff. No, you're in a job. Interview. That is a, that is best version of yourself. We all have a version of ourselves. Uh, that we're that we're putting out there to attract a significant other. We all have a version of ourselves that, to fit into a general group of people that we call friends. We all have a version of ourselves uh, in the workplace, and then we have a version of ourselves that nobody ever gets to see at home. Right? Woke culture and cancel culture has now turned it into such a horrific society in which we live in, to where. No one you ha- you will ever meet. You will never meet anyone. Five years from now, you will never meet anyone that that's actually who they are. Mm-hmm. You will meet people that have learned to adapt to the world around them, which is this is the 
avatar in which I don't get crucified for living like, and this is who you will get to know, but it is not who I really am. So to your point earlier, you said most people don't even believe any of this crazy stuff. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Do you think that the rational adult believes that if you identify as a wolf, you're a wolf? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Most, most, no. Most logical human beings are like, no, that's not true. <laughs> but... I don't feel like dealing with the headache of it. So it's like, of course you can be a wolf. Sure. <laughs> you know, why not? Yeah, of course. But 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 that's not really them. No. That, that, is, that is these fake society and fake people. And we all claim that we want truth and real people. No, we don't. We don't want real people. Everybody loves the truth till somebody says the truth about you. No, we want people to do exactly what we want them to do whenever we want them to do it. And don't cause me any problems. Nope. And that is the ultimate uh, symptom of the disease that is woke and cancel culture is because we will never, if we continue to let it go the way it's going, we will never know who anyone really is ever, mm. ever. And, and, and to me, that is such a horrible thing. You know, even in, even in dating now, you've got people that grew up, where I grew up in rural Mississippi, middle of freaking nowhere, still to this day, one red light town. It's 2023, still one yeah. red light town that can get online and think somebody in Brooklyn, New York is attractive. And then the next thing you know, they're dating and then they're married. What? And then five years into it, they divorce and it's horrible because, they, oh, I can't believe this person believes this. Well, 50 years ago, that didn't happen. Right. 50 years ago, you dated within a, you know, 50 mile radius right. of where you lived because you worked there. You started off at the bottom, worked your way up to assistant manager. You found a family. So we live in such an age now to where people can't even be honest with each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is, it is so scary to me. And it makes people goes back to what I talked about earlier, makes people want to go inward and go the exact opposite of what humans are actually designed to do. Community based beings. That's who we are. But because of this world and this society that we're creating, it's making everyone want to retreat inward and not talk to nobody ever on anything. Well, and if you do, then it's with a, a an avatar, right? Correct. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're in the really metaverse you. and you're, 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 you're building your own world based on a digital, a, a, a digital representation of the perfect existence when in all reality, you're just sitting in your living room in your underwear, right? And yeah. <clears throat> like, that's a really, I, I think about it from the context of my children, how do we directly connect in a very authentic way and get them more engaged in the real world, real relationships, real experiences? You know, we, we, we limit the amount of, um, you know, electronic mm -hmm. time that they have. Some people don't. I mean, it, to each their own. How people like to raise their children. That's that's. I'm not a. I'm not a no electronics at all because I think you're I'm setting them up for failure I, I, I in the world we yeah, live that, in. That, that, yeah. That's not. That's not. I don't think that's real. I yeah. don't think you can do that either. No. You can't totally cut them off because, like, we directly utilize technology Correct. to yeah. enhance our lives. Absolutely. You have to be technologically, you know, proficient. Yep. But if it's reliant on their happiness if they're relying on oh, technology yeah. for an emotional connection yeah that that's a real big problem yeah. 
versus like, hey, you connect with your family, you connect with your friends, you have real physical, you know, when I say like, like you're having real hugs, you're having real story time. It's yeah. not like listen to a story. It's real story time. I, I took my kids to this. Um, it's a trampoline park. Have you ever been to one of these? Yeah. It's yeah. Like, oh, what's freaking it called? It's amazing, yeah. man. Like they got the parkour. Yeah. They got the they got Ninja the, Warrior courses. And dude, all stuff, right? I I was <clears throat> I was at VO2 Max for like thirty minutes. I needed to go to the chiropractor like right after that. Like <laughs> I I was playing with the kids like full full mode, like trampolines and, you know, jumping off stuff into pads and all this crazy shit. Right. And it was so much fun. And the only thing I could think of is like, man, I really wish I was like 18 because yeah. <laughs> I could really turn it on, you know, at like yeah. 45 things are a little bit, you know, they, they pop a little bit more oh. and they grind a little bit more. I was like, I'm going to pay for this, but I had so much fun and the kids had so much fun and, we all just connected and we had this great family experience over something that's like social and physical. Like we played dodgeball, we played, you know, tag and we, we jumped on trampolines and we tried to do flips, which by the way, uh, I can still do a flip on a trampoline and <laughs> not too shabby. Right. So yeah. I think, you know, I think about those all the time with the kids. Like how do I connect in and make them, present you know how yeah. do i make them present because it's <clears throat> so apt to disconnect and it's so easy to just like shove that thing in there and like disconnect because for my kids i don't know about yours if i as soon as i give them an ipad they're gone dude oh, yeah. like they are gone yeah you don't you and don't they know how in. to work it better than you ever will oh yeah <clears throat> already uh no i agree I, and i think it's our responsibility yeah I, i've again i keep making the statement you know gen z Gen Z's already, I mean, they already are where you are. I'm not right. saying that any of them aren't savable. I'm saying the vast majority is what it's going to be. Right. Right. We have to, as current parents, we have to focus on, you know, who do we want our children to be? And, and I believe, you know, there's hybrids of, of we do live in a technological world and mm -hmm. it's only going to be more so as we go. So cutting it off completely is not the answer because then you put them at a disadvantage right. to, to, to succeed. But, but even, even small things, you know, people think I'm crazy. Uh, you know, I drove all the way out here. Yeah. 2000 awesome. miles. Awesome. But, but one of the reasons was I had never seen the Rockies, but two, I'm like, I'm 36 years old and I've never seen the Rockies. My children are now 12, 11, and 9, and they can say, you know what? I've been there. I've right. done that. Yeah, made the yeah. whole trip. I've seen the border. I, I drove them all the way from South Carolina to El Paso. I drove them all the way from oh, South cool. Carolina to here because I told them, I was like, guys, I know that it takes forever, but if you just fly over these places, you never you never get to experience, whether you believe in God or whatever, right. you never get to experience like, oh, my gosh, like this stuff actually exists and this is what actually being present before i die i will have i will have driven through every major uh, part of america before i die the end like and i still got a few places to go but but i just I, there's so much to life then these, you know, uh, Phil Robertson, I, I had him on the show once, and he calls it the little black box. Yeah, yeah. You know, our phones, these little yeah, black yeah. boxes. There's so much more to life. And uh, and I'll never forget, my daughter said, uh, well, you know, 
you know, because I really love Montana and the mountains and open spaces and and uh, like I said, even though it's probably bad, less people. Yeah. Um, yeah. She said, "Well, Dad, you know, you can just put the Oculus on and go <laughs> go anywhere you want to go." And I'll never forget. Uh, you know, we were driving through uh, Vail, Colorado. Just like snowboard section. Yeah, yeah. And we pulled over and they like just literally fell in the snow. And I was like, Can you do that on an Oculus? Sure can. And she was, you know, and, and you could just tell it was one of those click moments. They're like, Oh, you know, there is something about this this life that we're actually living. And and again, I, I think I think true happiness of a person, true happiness of a society, you know. Money can only bring you happiness to a point, uh, but at the end of the day, some of the happiest people I know are broke as they could be, man. Because they, because they, they, you know, whatever your God is, right? Is your God is your God money? Is your God success? Is it fame? Is it this? Or 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 is family and purpose and relationships? Well, yeah, and I think I think that's one of the things where the the military helped me recognize that early on, where. My happiest moments in my past up until having children were all times in which I hadn't taken a shower or changed my yeah, uniform. Horrible and situations, yeah. It, they were my best moments. Yeah. They were my best, most authentic, engaged human moments. And I was talking about this the other day where, you know, having perspective and having, you know, the the high of highs and the low of lows, all sometimes within a five-minute span. What that does is is it is it the the brain, it's almost like a muscle, right? When you work it out and you 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 build it, it gets stronger. And the brain is very much like that. I believe it is. And when I've had low lows of people that probably could never imagine that type of low low, and then the high high, experiencing humanity in its highest form of acts of heroism and courage that are unimaginable yeah. in order to just experience that and not me watching them from other people and yeah. seeing true love for for country yeah true love for brother full full on embracing one another whether you grew up in miami or los angeles or montana and having this like this everlasting and deep connection that is in some ways deeper than family and blood, but you're bound by the blood that we've sacrificed. And I think seeing that from the high, high and the low, low, it it creates this like band in the center where life gets pretty easy because it's like, ah, don't sweat the small shit. Yeah, man. And I don't, I don't, I, I, I've been very fortunate in the context of, I transitioned out of the military and I built a company full of other veterans. Oh, you built a company? I had no idea. (laughs) What? You built a company? No. (laughs) But it's like, we've been really fortunate because I never had to leave my tribe and go out to another tribe or try to disconnect from, you know, soldier to civilian alone. Yeah. Uh, So in, in some ways, you know, I'm the weakest of every everyone in the context of like I haven't been able to forge it alone. I just haven't. I haven't been able to go out and go. I'm going to do this on my own, disconnect completely from my my previous tribe, and do it by myself. I don't have that capability in me. I can't do it. I had to build a a landing spot full of other veterans where I could feel comfortable and connected, where. 
even going out by myself without other vets and other people working on a mission directly impacting vets, I can't do that. Well, it's I, not, I don't. It's I can't not do it. Sustainable, and, no. and and so mine is the exact reverse. And so now I'm at a point where I've been alone for so long that it, it cannot be sustained. Mm-hmm. And and I realize that there's so much more than, than trying to take on the world by yourself, right? Like mm-hmm. so much of my, <clears throat> you know, my transition out of the military into, you know, the business model of, of, of what I've done the past eight years, it really, and this is not a good way to go about it, and I do not recommend it, it really was a, well, I'm going to show them. Right type mentality. And, and so for me, I had this moment where, you know, I, I, I was 35 at the time and I was like, okay, 35, done this, done that, you know, multiple books now, TV show, all the, okay, done this, done that, done this, done that, but I'm by myself and I'm alone. And, and now what do I do? You know, now what's, what's my purpose? What's mm-hmm. my mission? How do you, how do you replace a fire of something that so has such a time stamp on it? That mm-hmm. is, well, I'm going to prove everybody wrong. Right. You know, th- that's a great initial motivator, mm-hmm. but it's not a long time. To- it's not a long term, you know, I keep saying it purpose driven life. Mm-hmm. You can't live your life in this me against the world kind of mentality uh, you can live a long life against it's me and this group on a mission, and we yeah. are going to go against the world. But but I don't care how good of a warrior you are. I don't care how much you know special forces Delta training you've had. I don't care, and I'm not one of those guys. But I don't care how tough you are. No one is able to go to war by themselves. No for forever. No. And, you know, taking all this back full circle to when we first started politics, I don't care how good the candidate is. I don't care how good the congressman or the senator is. This is why I believe in term limits and all this other stuff. No one can go fight that kind of evil and right. go to war for that long without eventually breaking or right. changing who they are. It is impossible. And so, again, all these things that we talk about, it's amazing how they all fit together. It's, it's that community lifestyle. It's that community, you know, purpose and focus. You cannot do this alone. Mm-hmm. Nothing that you want to do. You might have some success. You might, you know, you might win an election. You might make a couple million bucks or whatever. But at some point you're going to realize, oh, crap, I'm alone. Mm-hmm. And now I don't know what to do. And so, I, I man, what what you guys have done here, I think it is amazing. I was saying it out there. You're one of the only people I've ever met that, to this day, you're the exact same dude, core values at least. We, we all, you know, become better, hopefully, hopefully, over time. Yeah, yeah. But core value of who you are and, and, and what, you know, this company stands for. I've never met anybody else like it. And so, you know, I applaud you for that because so many people would go, you know, become a publicly traded company and be like, forget all y'all. I told y'all I'm out, you know, see y'all later. But, but, but you don't do that. And, and I think it's just a testament to, 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 to the character of you and everybody else that built this thing. It's part of the whole thing, which is, 
you know, we did it as a team. We did it as yeah. a tribe. Like, I mean, I like to say I did it. That's like that. I don't. I don't think that's my ego. I'm just simplifying the statement. Mm. You know, where, you know, me and Matt and Jared and you know Logan and all these guys that have been part of this, like we're we're stronger now than we ever have been because yeah. we've been galvanized by the you know trenches of this business, and we don't have a lot of if any conversations when I say like we obviously have financial conversations when it comes to like capital and how we're investing capital back into the company and how we're building a culture and how we're building a, a positive company that's built to last. We do. We have those conversations all the time. We don't have conversations about, well, this is going to be awesome because we're going to be able to take a private jet or something crazy like that. We just don't. I drive an F-150, the same th- basic f-150 that i've had for six years yeah you know i got a new model but it's the same f-150 that i was driving when i left i left the agency with a toyota tundra it's essentially the same truck i've been driving for 10 years and you know it, it for me this is an exercise in when we look at how we invest in people and how i will in continue to invest in people is like I can't take this shit with me, dude. Like yeah. you oh, and I yeah, were talking yeah. about it. It's like, you can't, you can't put, push a, a camel through and I have a needle or something. I can forget exactly what it was, but I know what's important in yeah. like having, you know, a, a gold toilet or a private jet or whatever the fuck it is. That is not going to improve my life. Yeah. You know, my life and the way that people are going to ultimately weigh in on what I've done. First things first, which is, what do my kids and my wife think of me, right? Like that's first things first because they're the closest to your orbit. Yeah. And if they're looking at you and they're saying, he's a good man, he was a good dad, he was a good husband, I've done my job, right? Yeah. If my company and the people in my company say, you know what, he's been a good boss, he's been a good business leader, that's great. Outside of like my family, my company, and my friends, you know, I can't take that shit with me and i mean you and i've been friends for eight years you know i remember you called me when you were thinking about running and not that you were asking for advice you were just like hey this is what i'm thinking about doing and i was like hey man i commend you for doing this because this is going to be so fucking hard oh yeah it sucked remember (laughs) i I was just like good god brother like i love you man i want you so i want you to be happy and successful and if that's what's going to do it like giving back to your country it's going to take a ton of courage and a ton of sacrifice but man you are in for a fucking ride and it was brutal it was brutal man and i mean and knowing you for this many years and then you know look like you're you're the same you're the same guy that that we met you know five or six years ago here you're the same guy if not better, I think you're a better version of yourself because uh, man, you went, so. you went through the ringer and man, stepping into that like sword and shield in a way that it's, it's so dirty. Like honestly, I, I commend people that do it. And I mean, there's a lot of guys like Joe Kent and you and Tulsi and you know, my buddy, Tony Cowden, these are like, you know, close, close people. And I really respect and admire the fact that you guys went out and did it because it needs to be done. Because I do think that ounces equal pounds. You guys do make a difference, whether or not the sacrifice feels worth it. Because, yeah. man, 
it is not for the faint of heart. Like the amount of courage that that takes is that's 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 a lot. That's a, that's a lot. It's a big sacrifice. Well, you know, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, you know, I I couldn't. And when we had that conversation, for me, whether whether I won or lost, and obviously I didn't win. Uh, it, for for me, it was more about you know I can't I can't keep you know metaphorically preaching this thing. Yeah, right. And then not myself be willing to to do it. Well, right. you know, win, lose, or draw. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I don't know. It, it has. I will say it is. It, it was the best worst thing that has <laughs> ever ever happened to me because I do. You know, this past year. Uh, in fact, uh, what's today? The fifth. Yeah. Twenty three days from now, it will be a year since Trump gave me the phone right. call to, to 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 get out. And this past year has been one of, even as successful as people may think that I am because they see what they see mm -hmm. on the internet, this has been one of the most trying years of my life because it has been a full, re painful refocusing on, okay, what actually, okay, that's the way it really is now. Right. Okay, now I've seen it. So was the past eight years for nothing? What what was it? Was it a waste? What what was I in fact the very thing that, that you know adding to the machine that I claim that I want to be a you know right. want to fight against? And it has led to <clears throat> what I believe is a better version of myself, a uh, more informed, probably less naive mm, version of, right. of, of myself. And it's put into focus, and you know, and if I can stress this enough to the listeners, it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how many zeros are in your bank account. It doesn't matter how many phone numbers of really, really powerful, yeah, yeah. really important, really rich people you have. None of that matters, man. The, the only thing that matters, like you said, for me, it's, it's my relationship with God. Then it's my relationship with my wife and my kids. And then, you know, and in that order, right. you know, and as long as those first three are all right, you know, I've been broke before I can be broke again. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've been non-successful. I failed. I've succeeded. I've been successful. As long as, as long as I've got those things and, and, and I'm focused on those things first, I, everything else is going to be all right. You know, I've been famous for a while now, if you want to call it that. I don't care. You know, I, yeah. I really don't. My wife asked me <clears throat> before I came here, you know, do you think that if if the ride is over, right, like that ride, right. if that ride is over of, you know, you can't go eat without people knowing who you are and all this other kind of stuff, you know, are you going to be okay with that? A year ago, the answer would have been no, mm -hmm. no, I know because that's who I am. I, yeah. you know, I, I'm, you know, Graham Allen, you mm -hmm. know, this part, that's, that's who I am. That's that, that's where my identity is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now a year later, uh, you know, the answer is yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think I would be okay with that as, as long as I, to your point, as long as I am a good Christian, as long as I, you know, try my best at it, at least as long as I try my best to be a good husband, Trying my best to be a good dad and provide for my family. Everything else is kind of going to work work itself out. I tell you, I know who will not speak at my funeral, and it will not be <laughs> anyone from the Trump family, 
Uh, it will not be anybody, you know, I, I mean, it, well, maybe some people, but, but, you know, what my children say about me, right. I, I'm really interested in making sure that turns out all right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, and, 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 you know, but, 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 you know, my kids are not going to care about how much land I have to leave them and all that stuff. None of that, none of that crap matters, yep. you know? And, and, and so this past year has been a really painful, but, you know, uh, refining uh, year for me. And I think I've come out on the other side of it ready for the next eight years or the next 10 years yeah. or whatever it is, because, um, you know, if we're not growing and if we're not moving towards a positive direction, then, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want to end up in, in that place where, you know, I feel like there's nothing left for me, you know, right. and, 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 and I feel like I got a lot of fight left in me. Oh yeah. But I want it to be for the right thing mm -hmm. and the right purpose and the right reasons. So. Well, Graham, it's always a pleasure, man. I, uh, I greatly appreciate you stopping in and being part of the deep, Black Rifle. It did. It was good, man. Hey, uh, like, uh, wait, maybe we should like say a fuck or something at the end of this. <laughs> I like, just to spice things up, Graham. <laughs> Thanks, man. I really appreciate you coming out. I got to piss, so I got to, <laughs> like, piss like a racer. Yeah. That concludes today's training. Any questions? Woo! Drum titties, boy! <laughs>